Hi, guys. How's it going? Um, well, if you haven't met me before, we can meet after. My name is Hannah, um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited that I get to talk about Galatians 5 today. Um, I've been praying on this for a few weeks now um, and have, like, I feel like we could talk for days about everything that I've learned and all the ways that the Lord speaks, like even just through this little tiny passage. Um, but we don't have that much time, and I will not keep you here for that long. So a couple weeks ago, I think it was like a week and a half, two weeks ago, I was at the Pearl. Um, I kind of live close by there, so I will start my mornings there sometimes and read my Bible and just kind of spend some time with the Lord. And I was reading through 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. And like, if you've ever been to local at the Pearl, it's like this very beautiful space. And there's all these people working and getting things done and being friends. And there's like fake grass outside. And so it looks really pretty. And there's people with their dogs and sipping cappuccinos. And love is patient and love is kind. And I I was like, this is for somebody today. And so I wrote an Instagram post about it. I think we're going to put, put it up there. Um, I like writing things in pretty letters. So I wrote it out, and I wrote this, what I thought was a very beautiful sentence about how love is patient and love is kind, and I'm not that way sometimes. But, you know, God is, and I will just surrender every moment of this day to God, and he is going to make me patient, and he is going to make me kind. So I get in my car, and I post that, and I um, roll up to a stop sign, like legit two minutes later, and um, some guy's just sitting at the stop sign, like not moving at all, and I'm late to work because I have to be at a meeting in 10 minutes. And so I'm sitting there like, why isn't this guy moving? He needs to move. And so he leaves, and then I'm getting on the entrance ramp, and someone is going like five miles an hour getting on the entrance ramp. And so then I'm like riding their tail onto the entrance ramp, and then I like squeeze out in front of them into the other lane trying to get ahead of them. And uh, then I am cursing at somebody on my right side because they had the audacity to pull up in the lane next to me when I needed to get into that lane first. And they didn't realize that and they didn't respect that. So I have some issues with that person. So then I get almost to my office and a train comes. And then I have to sit there for five minutes because a train is there. So I'm fuming at this point. And I get to my office and I look at my phone and I see that I have notifications of people that liked my Instagram post about love being patient and love being kind. Um, so... <laughs> In that moment, I sat there in the parking lot, <clears throat> and it's so funny that Olivia put her hands open because that's something that I've been working on over the last few months is just opening my hands and saying, like, Lord, I suck at this sometimes. Um, I'm not good at this. And I said that I wanted to love people, and I said that I wanted to be kind, and I wanted to be patient, and I did the opposite. I, I was angry at people, and if anybody had followed me to church after driving like that, they would have had, like, some serious questions. And I think this is where we all find ourselves a lot, right? Like, you might read your Bible in the morning or maybe at night, and you read it, and you're like, yeah, that's who I want to be. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to love other people as Christ has loved me. And then we get into the thick of things, and we get jealous because she gets more attention from that guy than I do, and I don't understand why or 
you know, he got more likes on this Instagram page and I posted the same thing. He got the promotion and I didn't and I feel like I've been here longer. We gossip about each other. We tell small lies to keep up appearances. We all do this, and I think that, that a lot of us, like, start with this good heart, right? Like, we start with really wanting to chase after Jesus, and somewhere along the way, it gets muddy, and it gets confusing. This is kind of where we find ourselves in Galatians 5. So we spent the last few weeks talking through the first four chapters of Galatians, and Paul is trying to get one thing home. Do y'all remember the equation? Can anybody tell me the equation that we used? What's up, Cassie? Let's go. Justification, salvation, yeah. Jesus, it equals everything. That we can't add anything, anything to our salvation other than the work of Jesus Christ. It's not Hannah's work plus Jesus. It's not Olivia's work plus Jesus. It is Jesus alone and faith and trust in him. Sometimes faith is a tricky word for me. Um, so sometimes I'll use trust. Trust makes a lot more sense in my brain. So do I trust in him? Do I trust in who he is? So we've been in that place, but I think that Paul is saying that there's something else going on. So if you look at 5, 13 through 15, it says, But you were called to freedom, brother. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Again, in verse 26, it says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So it seems like not only do we have these Judaizers who are coming in and trying to tell them, hey, you got to do X, Y, Z, plus having faith in Christ to be justified and to be free, right? So we've got these kind of outward forces coming in. But it seems like there's something else going on, that there's this kind of inner turmoil amongst these friends, amongst these brothers and sisters in Christ that Paul is, is getting at. He's saying that they're provoking one another and they're envying one another. And guys, I think this is, this is us, and Paul's going to walk us through a solution on how we not only live by Christ, how we don't just stay with Christ in us, but we move and we keep in step with him so that we can live godly lives and show that to the people around us, right? Because Paul says that we, they will know us by our love for one another. Um, and they will know Jesus by our love for one another. So we're going to do like a little scripture memorization today. Do we feel good about that? Okay, so y'all have to stand up again. I'm sorry. It's helpful. We're going to memorize Galatians 5.25. So everyone's going to go home today having one Bible verse memorized. If this is the only Bible verse you have memorized, then it's a start. So the first portion is since we live by the Spirit. So repeat after me. Since we live by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit. One more time. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, one more really loud time. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
thing. Good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. Y'all have a verse memorized. <laughs> Ryan would like to recite it in Greek for us now. <laughs> so we're going to answer three questions today. The first one is, who is your commander? The second one is, are you devoted? And the third one is, who is beside you? Who is your commander? Are you devoted? And who is beside you? Uh, we touched on it a little bit, but just so that we're all clear. In Galatians 3.14, um, Zach taught on this passage. In, in 14, it says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So when you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? So we said that equation. Jesus, trust in Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So when that equation is true of your life, the Holy Spirit downloads in you, got all of him, you've got Jesus Christ in you. I don't have a ton of time to go into that, although I wish I could because I had like 12 Bible verses outlined out for that. But um, if y'all want those, you can find me later. Um, Kevin Flowers from ACC, he actually did a message on a lot of that this past Sunday. So if you are interested in that, you can go and find him. But the main point I kind of want to sit in today is this question of who is your commander, right? So Paul says, in verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So he's saying that there's two different commanders in our, in our life, right? There's two different forces that are, that are arguing back and forth about who's going to have power. We have the Spirit, and we have the flesh. And he gives, and we'll go through, he gives us um, these examples of what it looks like to, to have the flesh leading in our lives and what it looks like to have the Spirit leading in our lives. So the flesh is interesting, right, because this is, this is, like, natural to us. This is what we're born into. We're born into the flesh. And so these are the things that come natural, but they're the things that bring us the most pain. So he lists them, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. All of these things our life when we choose to live by the flesh, when we choose to say what I want is more important than what God wants. And what I want to do and how I want to act sounds way better than how God wants me to act. And then we have the fruits of the Spirit, right? It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The difference between these two things is that one is attributes of us. We can get angry all day. We can be selfish all day. But the fruit of the Spirit, y'all, is not something that we can just muster up. The fruit of the Spirit are divine attributes of who God is. And so if you think of fruit, you can't just go stand in a field and say, like, all right, like, apple, show up. Right? You need a tree. You need an apple tree specifically. You need an apple tree that's going to have roots, that's going to grow, and that is going to produce the apple because that is what that tree was made for. And so when we're rooted and we're rooted in who Christ is, these fruits come naturally. These fruits start flowing out of our lives when we submit our lives to God and when we are rooted in him. Uh, we went, I went dancing this last weekend 
and um, two-stepping. Have, has anybody ever been two-stepping before? It's a good time. So <laughs> if you have never been two-stepping, it's like one, two, back, one, two, back. So it's a pretty easy step. And there was a man. His name was Jack. And Jack had had a little to drink. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, and Jack came up and wanted to dance. And I didn't know him at that point. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. So I go to dance with him. And he's, like, not doing the two-step at all, like, at all. And he was looking at me like, you can't dance. And I'm like, bro, like, you're not doing the right step. And so I'm, like, trying to keep up with him. And he keeps telling me, like, well, you're not very good at this. I'm like, Jack, you're not very good at this. So then he starts spinning me. And he's like, oh, well, I guess you can spin. So that's good. And then he kept stepping on my feet. And then he asked to dance with some of the other girls, and finally we were like, Jack, we're not going to dance with you anymore, bud. Like, this is not going well. And he just kept coming back. He just kept coming back and be like, ladies, you want to dance? And he would, like, do these gun things. I'm like, no, Jack, we, we don't want to dance with you. But y'all, <clears throat> Jack leading me in a dance is a lot like the flesh leading us in our lives. He kept telling me what to do and then shamed me even when I did it correctly. He led me in the wrong direction almost every time. He stepped on my feet. He kept coming back even when I said no. He was a bad leader. This is what we do every single time. We choose to let the flesh lead us. But there's a better way if you've ever danced with somebody who's a good leader, what do they do? Even if you suck at two-stepping, even if you don't know how to move your feet, a good leader will guide you along like you've been doing this your whole life. They will lead you in the right direction. They will take you in a spin even when you don't know what you're doing. And you're just like, how did that happen? But he did it for me. The second part of the verse is, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When Christ is our commander, we keep in step with him. There's this military word um, that they use here, keep in step. It's called stoaheo. Can you all say that with me? Stoaheo. We have it up there. So it's to proceed in a row as the march of a soldier, to go in order and to direct one's life. If you go to any military base in the world, right, you will see soldiers who are in step with their commander. And they need to be in step with him because that formation and keeping together and understanding where your commander is leading you is essential for if you're going into battle, right? And so they practice and practice and practice and practice understanding what the cadences are and understanding and hearing their commander's voice because they know that when it comes time to go into battle that they need to be led by him and they need to know what he's saying. And they need to know what they need to do if, if, if they're in a tight situation, and I think there's two things that we can kind of walk away from, from this passage and, and two, two points that I wanna, want us to sit on. When we keep in step with the Spirit, the first thing that we need to do is we need to surrender, right? 
we have to surrender to one of these two commanders. So you can surrender to the flesh and, and go on and see how that goes. Or you can surrender to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit in your life and open up your hands. And, and the, the three ways that I kind of thought through this, right, is one, reading your Bible. Because this, guys, this is his word. This is who he is. This is what he gave us to know him. And so even I was talking to Bree the other day, and she was like, guys, like, I love reading my Bible. I prayed that I would love to read my Bible. And I have read it, and I love reading it because I love the Lord, and I want to know what he has to say. And this is his word. This is what he gave us. So we need to read our Bible, and we need to get on our faces and pray. And we need to ask the Lord that he would cover us, that he would show us, that he would talk to us and tell us who he is. And just like Olivia said, I literally had this written in my notes, and I don't think she got this particular set of notes, so it's kind of crazy. But, y'all, I have been opening my hands. That day after I got mad about the angry, the bad drivers, um, they probably think I'm the bad driver, but the rest of the day, guys, it was a struggle. Every time I got in my car, I was angry. Every time I got in my car, I was mad at a different driver. And so every single time it happened, and it did happen pretty often, I would open my hands and be like, Lord, I need you to give me patience. I need you to teach me who you are because me wants to be really angry in this moment. So we have to read and we have to pray. And we have to yield and surrender to who Jesus is. But there's a second point. In verse 24, 524, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Zach actually pointed this out the other day. Um, I thought it was interesting. And, and a few years ago, I did some research on Joshua. And there's this word that they use in the book of Joshua. It's called karem. And karem means devotion to destruction. So... Um, during some of the wars in the Old Testament, they would go in and the Lord asked the Israelites to be devoted to the destruction of the entire village, right? And if they were a pagan village and they would go in and they would destroy everything because the Lord knew if there was any kind of mixture, if there was any kind of overlap, that our flesh is weak, right? That our flesh is weak and that we want the other things that are not of God and that our flesh will entice us into that. And so God asked them to be completely devoted to destruction, and I think that's where we find ourselves today is that we have to know who our commander is and we have to be able to surrender to him. And then we have to be willing to completely destroy the flesh again and again and again. <laughs> when I was thinking about this, y'all, like, I don't know how many times I'm, like, nailing something up to the cross. Like, you are dead. This is it. This is done. It's, like, all my friends around me cheering me on. And then at night I, like, sneak back to the cross. And I'm trying to take that thing off and, like, revive it, right? Because I want it back. I want to be able to do what I want to be able to do. But, guys, we have to be devoted to destroying it. And the Holy Spirit helps us with that and strengthens us in that. There's this book by, um, his name is Major W. Ian Thomas. And he says, to walk in the spirit is to have such utter confidence in him that you first seek his instructions and then ask no further questions, but simply do as you are told. So um, <clears throat> to round us out, I 
When I was in college, I was a part of a camp called Foundation Retreat. It's a camp for incoming freshmen at Texas Tech, and um, we existed to connect freshmen to churches and to ministries, and we wanted to see these freshmen come to know the Lord early on. And so I was, I went as a freshman, I was a counselor, I was on the leadership team, and then my junior year, I was on, um, I was a co-director with my co-director, Weston. I don't know how they let us run that thing. It blows my mind still today, and we didn't burn it to the ground, so that's good. But um, Weston and I had some different theological standings on things, and we would get into, like, throwdown fights about them, like where I would leave in tears, um, and I didn't know what to do because I felt like I needed to stand my ground on things, and I needed to tell him what was right and all of these things, and I had tried meeting with some women from my church, and they just, like, weren't really interested in the same questions that I was interested in, and they weren't really interested in digging into things with me, and um, I didn't know what to do. So I'm sitting at this stoplight, and I hear, like, something downloaded in my spirit. Call Miss Brooks. Miss Brooks is um, my best friend from college. It's her mom. So I'm sitting there at a stoplight, like, why the heck am I going to call Miss Brooks? So I'm like, all right, well, here goes nothing. So I call her, and she's like, yeah, I'm actually making dinner. Why don't you come on over? So I go over, it's like the Twilight Zone, like she, I mean, she was by herself, so there's no reason for her to make dinner for like two people, but it was dinner for two people, and we sat there, and she listened to me, and then at the end, she was like, would you like to do this again? Would you like to meet again? Yeah, I'd actually love that, and it wasn't um, for another two years that I would find out, that was my junior year, that my freshman year, I was at her home eating an egg sandwich that was really gross. (laughs) And it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit highlighted me to her and said, you're going to speak into her life, but I need you to wait. And I need you to wait until I tell her to come to you. So for two years, that woman waited. And she prayed for me. And she was patient. And so when I called, seemingly out of the blue, at a stoplight, that was an answered prayer to the Holy Spirit speaking to her. Guys, my last point is that we can't do this alone. That verse in 25 says, let us keep in step in the Spirit. It doesn't say, you keep in step with the Spirit. This is a team effort. This only works if we do it together. Ephesians 3.14 says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Philip Ryken says, A good unit never lets one of its men fall behind. If a soldier stops running because of injury, discouragement, or fatigue, his buddies will circle around and gather him back to his unit. And so also in the church, we are called to maintain unity by going back to help those who have fallen. We're called to remind each other of what our commander's voice sounds like when we've forgotten. We're called to put each other's armor on when we're too weak to put it on ourselves. 
We're called to hold each other up when we're too weak to stand. This is a team effort, guys. And as much as we have to hear the Holy Spirit in ourselves and learn that in and of ourselves, the body of Christ is so important, and Jesus died for the body, not just one. There's this book. It's called The Boys in the Boat. Um, And it's about the 1936 Berlin Olympic rowing team. And in it, it's this ragtag bunch of boys who who end up on this rowing team together. And um, if y'all don't know anything about rowing, it's that big, long boat that gets in the water. And you've got one person on either side kind of staggered throughout the boat. And if you've ever seen beautiful rowing, it literally looks like the boat is gliding across the water. Like it looks like it's effortless. But it's got eight people in it. And in order for it to look effortless, you need for those oars, eight different oars, manned by eight different people to hit at exactly the same time. You need those oars to hit. And if they hit a millimeter off, a millimeter of a second off, then it throws the whole cadence of the boat off says that good crews are good blends of personalities. Someone to lead the charge, someone to hold something in reserve, someone to pick a fight and someone to make peace, someone to think things through and someone to charge ahead without thinking. Somehow this all must mesh. Each man or woman in the boat must recognize his or her place in the fabric of the crew, accept it, and accept the others as they are. It is an exquisite thing when it comes together. So the final questions, who is your commander? Who do you want to be your commander? You get to choose. That's the beauty of it. You get to choose who that is. Are you devoted to surrender and to destruction? And who's beside you? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for how you move in our lives, Lord. I thank you for all of the, God, the boundless grace that you give us, Jesus, that you teach us how to keep in step with you, that you are a good and kind leader, and that when we mess up or when we trip over our own two feet, Lord, or when we look the other way, enticed by somebody else's voice, Lord, that you are gentle to remind us to keep walking forward, that you have the best plan in mind, that you have everything good in store for us, Lord. I pray that we would open our hands to you, that we would be committed to keeping the flesh in its place, Lord, and that you you would just teach us to love one another, God, as you loved us. I thank you so much for everybody in this room. I thank you that we get to run this race together, and I pray that we would never take that for granted. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.